Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you could have access to all of our station's fabulous content. And please, wherever you find Joe and I on social media, particularly YouTube, The Frontline TV on YouTube is where we'd love for you to like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. You'll see Joe and I on our social media and all our interviews up there. Uh, we really appreciate the help. And today we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Claudia McAdam. And for those of you who are not familiar with Claudia, I want to give her a brief inter introduction. We're going to be discussing her new book, The Christmas Light. And Claudia McAdam is an award-winning author of two dozen books, most of them for kids and teens. With a master's degree in Catholic theology, she pens books for children that invite them to learn, love, and live their faith. Since childhood, Claudia has wondered what it would have been like to meet Jesus when he walked the earth. The characters that she creates do just that in her books. Um, her free discussion and activities guides are available by request at her website, www.claudiamcadam.com. And that helps readers have fun and go deeper into her stories. Claudia and her husband live in Colorado, not far from their children and grandchildren. Claudia McAdam, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Hello, both of you. So glad to be here. Excellent. Claudia, we always begin with the prayer because all good things start with the prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly into you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer amen. us, amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, amen. Claudia, what is your maiden name? Cangilla. It's love it yeah. oh another italian you got it it's a it's a good trio this morning i love it i love it i had to say it and i also wanted to bring up it's a it's a gaelic garlic combination we have the italian and the irish i love them both they make for wonderful and beautiful children it's wonderful thank you <laughs> I, I think so too uh before we talk about the book itself what led you to write children's books about our Catholic faith? I mean, we've we've interviewed a number of people who write children's books. Um, Anthony DiStefano, who's a good friend of ours. We've interviewed Raymond Arroyo, who has a number of children's books. Why did you write, why do you write children's books and embrace this genre to teach people about Jesus? I, you know, I, I've wanted to be a professional writer since I was 10 years old. So I have been working towards that goal ever since then. And I was being published before I was out of college. So it's a great blessing to be able to do as an adult what you wanted to do as a child. And I, you know, I, I started writing for children and being published while I was in college because that 
I, I used to love reading as a child. I still do, but it was my favorite pastime, still is. And I wanted to appeal to the young readers to try to make their lives better by what I was writing. And as I've been writing, you know, for decades, and as the farther along I've gotten in my career, the more and more I've had the desire, the Holy Spirit led desire, I think, to turn my writing from the secular, I write for the secular markets, but also to turn it more towards our faith-based works. So imbuing in what I write, the, the truths and tenets of the Catholic faith in ways that can, for young children, explore the virtues and build character and deepen their own faith. So um, I went to the Denver Catholic Biblical School, which is a four-year program here in Colorado, where you study every book of the Bible over the four years and with great learned teachers. And as I was learning more about the Bible, I thought, you know what? There are so many beautiful things about sacred scripture that I never knew as a child and would have made a huge difference in my life growing up and into adulthood if I had known these wonderful truths about our faith. And so I thought, I wonder if there's a way that I can start incorporating those kinds of learning experiences into what I write for kids. And so I went on to the Augustine Institute here in Denver to get my master's degree so that I could be more firmly rooted in our Catholic theology and then began taking the, the, the nuggets that I learned along the way and putting them into stories that invite young children to put on the sandals of another child who may have lived, a fictional child who may have lived at the time of Jesus, and to see what that encounter with the Lord would have been like for that character and for my young readers who can put themselves in the place of the characters in my books. You know, it's funny. We interview a lot of authors and a lot of them. There's a lot of themes that come out of that, one of which is the Augustine Institute. Many people that we've interviewed have attended that institution, and it shows. That's like a result, if, if you ask me, of John Paul II's visit to Colorado. Could you tell us a little bit about that place? Because I think it's a special place. So many people who are involved in the new evangelization come from there, and you being one. Talk a little bit about that for a second, because I think it's a great place, and people should know about it. It, it is a wonderful place, and my husband and I have been involved in supporting and helped structuring the Augustine Institute since before it began. So we've been involved for a long, long time. My husband was the first chairman of the board of the Augustine Institute. And today we both serve on the, the board of regents, the board of trustees, so that we can um, still give input or you know, get information about it as, as the Augustine Institute grows. So um, it started in 2005 as a brick and mortar location for educating students in sacred scripture and evangelization and catechesis and has grown to be a huge um, digital platform. We have, uh, we, they have online students from around the world and it keeps growing and growing. Of course, there's formed.org now, which is a great resource for families and individuals to learn more about their Catholic faith. And in fact, I served as the um, curator of children's content for formed for about two and a half years trying to bring more and more kids content to the platform. But it's a, a great opportunity for Catholics and non-Catholics alike to learn more about the faith and grow closer to Jesus Christ. So it's a wonderful tool of the evangelization, the new evangelization that yes, John Paul II called for that when he was here in Denver at World Youth Day. I saw him when he was here. We, we were part of the mass of people at his mass here. And um, the, the people who lead the Augustine Institute take that mission to heart and do just that. 
evangelizing people around the world. So it's it's a great um, organization and they offer some wonderful products. So and for free, you know, go to the augustininstitute.org. If you want to be a student, go to formed.org. If you would like, you know, access to sacred scripture studies or move Catholic movies or kids works and whatever you want, you can find it there. I think it's so important. I mean, what we do, Claudia, you know, Joe and I get into a lot of trouble at the front line with Joe and Joe. Okay. So, uh, you know, we, we're, we're trying to, you know, point out the, um, I, I, well, let me not use the word that comes immediately to my mind. Let's call it the filth out there. Okay. okay? And it is a filthy, dirty, disgusting culture that we live in. I don't care what anybody says. We love our country. Our, our culture stinks. It's just the bottom line. And what you're doing, particularly getting, you know, let's say the message of the gospel to children to counterbalance the nonsense they're getting, not just in the culture, but also in the public school system. OK, um, is just so, so vitally important. Um, and I think that we as Catholics, like you said, as adults and to, to, to you know, bring, let's say, stories like yours, books like yours to our children, you know, so that they're so and, and, and keep them away from that other nonsense to inculcate those, you know, the, the message of the gospel in their in their in their hearts like at a very early age. So important. Comment on that, if you uh, would. Claudia. You know, you're, you're so right. Um, one of my favorite scripture passages is from Deuteronomy, where we, we are instructed to teach the faith to our children, and not just in what we say, but in what we do and how we live. And that's so critical. And part of that is, what kind of entertainment are you providing for your children? What type of material, what, what bedtime story are you sharing with them? Is it something that helps them grow in faith? or not, you know, and we, we have a great mission to bring our kids up in the faith. That's what we're called to do. And that's what I try to help do with, with what I write. Absolutely. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We're in the breach with Claudia McAdam on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network 1350 on your AM dial. Joe Resinello, I'm going to hand it over to you. In this book, um, I have to bring this up, this book we're talking about today, which is The Christmas Light, and we definitely recommend that to all our listeners out there on Veritas. <laughs> Clearly, the story centers around the nativity. Now, I'm a big rosary person. I know Joe Basil is as well, and we all know that the third mystery of the joyful mysteries is the nativity. Um, I had to ask you, I mean, are you a rosary devotee? And if you are, I, I'm willing to bet that you are, you and your husband. Um, when you pray and meditate on the joyful mysteries, particularly the nativity, how did it help you to write this book? Yes, I am a, a rosary prayer, a daily rosary prayer, and um, the meditating on the nativity, I think it, it takes me even deeper into what I do, what I do and why I do it. Um, St. Ignatius of Loyola had people, and today we still do this, enter into gospel stories with their imagination. Because when we use our imagination, we can, we can learn more, go deeper. And what St. Ignatius asked people to do is open up a gospel story, start to read it and put yourself into the story, become a character that's there, or a character that's not there that happens upon the scene and see what that story has to tell you personally. What do you see and hear and feel and, and taste and smell in that situation? So when I think about the nativity and I encourage my young readers to do this as well as the, the adults who read the story to them to enter into that nativity story and wonder who might you have been in that story? People, there were a lot of people living in Bethlehem when the Holy Family was there. 
Did somebody bring them food and water? I mean, did they have a meal train set up after Jesus was born? Who, who helped care for that holy family? And would you have been one of the people who did? And if so, what might that, what might that interaction have been like? So um, yeah, the nativity is, is such a beautiful mystery to think about not just the moment Jesus was born, but everything that led up to that. And that, that starts at the beginning of Genesis, the beginning of the Holy Scripture. We're, lead it led up to the birth of jesus and then his passion death and resurrection from the very moment the earth was formed and so when when i think about the nativity i try to imagine who would have been there what might they have done and more importantly who would i have been in that story and then try to to grow beyond that because our faith is not about just about the rules it's about relationship relationship with our lord jesus christ amen i agree with yeah. you 100 percent I mean, I think about the Holy Family being a father of five a lot. Um, clearly, uh, when you meditate on the nativity, uh, you learn what it means to live as a family as God called you to be. I mean, the family is meant to be the domestic church. I mean, what do we learn from Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? We learn what it means to sacrifice, to love unconditionally. Here's one, to endure all things for the other. I'm going to be honest with you. I'll tell you a personal story today. I was thrown up on by my son this morning. <laughs> that, that, that's the second time this that's week. My ne- that's my nephew. <laughs> so, I mean, like you and that before I even had a cup of coffee at 630 in the morning. So, oh, I mean, it's not always, you know, you know, when you see the picture of a family, you know, it's not always, you know, that picture that's on Facebook. It's not easy. And you endure all things and they did that for each other um catholic parents have to articulate this message and i think this story does that um sadly as joe Pasillo said you know we live in a culture that is rejecting sacrifice it's rejecting unconditional love they deal with the 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 what i like to call the frosting of what love is they don't get into the to the guts the meat and potatoes of what love is and the holy family teaches us that how can ca- parents best articulate that obviously by their example but they have to be transformed how do they do that to their to their children now in a tough tough culture it it, it is hard and you're right that your own example is the first and foremost way you can do that and you know jesus told us you must pick up your cross and follow me well the cross for him was the wooden beam that he carried the cross for us may be something entirely different and i think we need to be speaking with our kids and and talking to them about what is sacrifice what what is it to live out the virtues you know when can you uh, exhibit courage or temperance or fortitude you know when can you really get in there and go beyond yourself and and give beyond what what's comfortable for you and when you read a story like the christmas light or a similar kind of story you can see that where someone who really doesn't want to be bothered goes outside herself to help somebody else and then what can the benefits be from doing that not that we do our good works or do our sacrifices because of what we'll get we do it because of what we're called to give and in the end we're called to give everything everything and jesus promises us wonderful wonderful blessings if we do that and i think if we if we share stories with our kids about how to do that and what what happens when you sacrifice i think it can make a huge difference in their lives you know claudia you said something you you know you do something that you might not want to do 
You see, love is a choice, as you know. Peter, on the road leading out of Rome, wanted to flee, but he came back. You see, a lot of times I can look at my own life. I have made that same decision. I said, no, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. But then you take a moment, you recalibrate, and you return. You see, that's what love is. It's a choice. And I think you hit it right on the head. The culture doesn't live in that anymore. It's it's living on the feeling, the feeling. As Father Karapi said, feelings, chemistry explodes. Chemistry explodes. We need to get deeper. You're exactly right. I mean, it's today it's all about what I want, what I feel, what, you know, what's right for me. And, and we're so self-centered. I mean, I, I would love to turn our society from a selfies society to a selfless society. If we can just turn our vision outward, what, what a wonderful world we could have if we just stopped being so self-centered and striving after everything that makes us happy, we think, or makes us feel good and realize that the, the bigger benefit is and what we can do for other people. And you're right. There's times where you're like, oh man, I don't want to do that. I, you know, that's, it's not comfortable for me, but that's, that's what we're called to do is to make the sacrifice and to be there for our our little one to throw up on us. If such be the case, you know, Mm -hmm. you're called to be there and, and take care of them. And in all circumstances, not just, just with our kids, but with other people we, we see every day. Right. Right. You're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Racinello. And we are in the breach with Claudia McAdam. We're discussing her new book, The Christmas Light. Claudia, real quick, where can people buy the book? The book is available at online retailers or brick and mortar stores everywhere. You just have to ask for it if your store doesn't carry it. Catholic, you know, Catholic gift shops, good place to support uh, them and ask for The Christmas Light. It's available at the publisher's website, which is Sophia Institute dot com so you can you can find it just about everywhere it's not not difficult to find and where and what uh and where can people find out more about you what's your what's your website and or or, and or social media my website is claudia mcadam and that's spelled m-c-a-d-a-m dot com and i've got all the information there about all my books and how to get the resource material that i offer for each of my books so there's a there's a free discussion and activities guide that I will be happy to send to you should you request it. And that goes along with this book. And I have ones that go along with my other books as well, where families can dive deeper into the story and do some fun activities along the way. Awesome. So Claudia, let, let me ask you this, just just um, from the writer's point of view, okay? A Catholic writer, how has creating these books, not just the Christmas light, but all the books, how has that helped you I mean, you're obviously a faithful Catholic, okay? Um, and, you know, nowadays, not easy to be a faithful Catholic. How has the process of writing these books and creating these characters, how has that helped you to, to bolster and strengthen your faith? I think our audience would, would like to know that. You know, it's, I love what I do so much. And I find myself being at mass and, and praying. And one of my, the books I'm writing comes into my mind and I'm inspired to, go deeper into what I'm writing it. I get a new inspiration and it helps me grow as a person when I write a book and a young reader reads it and comes up to me afterwards. And, and this happened with me with one of my novels that I, a Catholic novel that I've written. Um, I, I do presentations all around the country and online on my books. And 
this in-person presentation, this young young 14-year-old boy, we don't think of them as being big readers, period, especially of Catholic fiction, came up to me afterwards and said, this book changed my life. Thank you for writing it. And wow, that changed my life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it helps me be more aware of my own faith life and what I'm learning as I read sacred scripture every day, you know, it helps me grow as a person to know that what I'm learning, I can funnel out to younger people. And that just helps me be a better person because I, I want to be accountable to the things that I write. So I, I find it, I, I love sitting in the adoration chapel with a notepad and jotting down, you know, ideas for my stories and letting the the Holy Spirit inspire me. I mean, some people may think, oh, you're doing your work in the in the Adoration Chapel. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? <clears throat> My friend, Ted Shree, I see him and we go to the same parish. I see him in the Adoration Chapel with his notebook all the time. And he's spewing out these wonderful masterpieces. Yeah, let let the Lord inspire you when, when you're there. And, you know, he'll tell me what he wants me to write. So it's been great. Being we're on the subject, and I, I, Joe Resinello is probably going to bring this up anyway, be, based on what you just said. Um, talk to our audience, Claudia. I mean, I think that we need to, as Catholics, um, we need to emphasize the, the, all those beautiful things in the church that are available to us. Talk about the importance of sitting with Jesus in Eucharistic adoration, because I don't think people hammer that enough. And we try to on the show, all right, um, and try to emphasize to people, go sit with the Lord. We believe we have the we have the the, the 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 assurance of knowing that's Jesus, you know, on the altar. Right. Why wouldn't you want to sit with him? And not only that, bring your kids with you. Uh, you know, he, here's a little story about my husband and I would do adoration, and one day we were watching our older oldest grandson when he's about two two and a half years old, and we brought him with us for a quick stop into the adoration chapel, and we walked in and. Before we even had a chance to kneel down, our grandson hit his knees and fell prostrate on the ground in worship. Nobody told him to do that. I think he, he was aware subconsciously of the, the power of being in the presence of the Lord. I mean, it was amazing for us to see. And if people think, oh, I can never bring my kids into adoration, yeah, you don't have to stay an hour, you know, stay five minutes, a minute, whatever they work them into it, get them used to it. Explain to them before you go in what, what you're seeing. This is the, this is our Lord Jesus. Looks like bread, but it's really, really our Lord and God. And get them into the habit of visiting the Lord. And, and you know, what? Uh, there's an, a, an author that I read recently, Mary Jo Putney, and she said, what one loves in childhood stays in the heart forever. And if we can teach our children to love Jesus in Eucharistic adoration, <clears throat> it's not going to go away. It's a game changer, adoration. And to be honest with you, the saints that basically prescribe to it become just that, saints. It's a transformative prayer. Um, all prayer is transformative, but when you sit before the Lord, he understands the heart and he gets to you and he leads you to change. And when you change, you change the world. And that's the name of the game. Um, Joe, how are we doing with time? Because I have a, a... Oh, we, we could start another question. We have about five minutes before the end of the first segment. Because I want to talk a little bit specifically about the book, The Young Daughter of the Innkeeper. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about faith in action, and this, this question is geared towards it. You know, she, 
in you know a character in this great book which we definitely recommend all our readers to get the christmas light um this daughter is not feeling well she's basically sleeping in a comfortable place and she knows that the holy family is uncomfortable in a stable so what does she do she brings them some fire for warmth it's a simple act it reminds me once again of the rosary of our lady she receives jesus in the annunciation and then what does she do in the visitation she goes out and she brings christ to her cousin that's what we're called to do that's faith in action let me say it again that's faith in action that's what we're called to do now children need to learn this things that i'm always conscious of you know kids have to see you know we're not here just to like pray our rosary beads and, and do things that has to be you know basically filtered out into the world how can parents in a simple way show their children that obviously we could read you know your book to them and we recommend they do so but to do that to show them um what it means to live out the faith because that's what changes society it, it is and you know parents have they have to be involved you just can't you know pass the the duty off to you know your catholic school teachers or your religious ed teachers or you know father in his homily at mass i mean all those things are wonderful but you've, you've got to start as the parents you've got to be the the first teacher and you've got to do it well and you've got to do it consistently and it, like you said it's by example um <clears throat> you know you take you take your kids to the store to buy gifts to give to other children and you teach them why why you're doing that that there's people not as well off as your family perhaps you have them accompany you and so this is why a lot of parents don't want to do it is because it's like oh man you know making sandwiches in the soup line or you know it, that's a lot of work yeah it is work and it's joy labor is love and so if you can have your children you do the littlest thing you know shovel their neighbors walk someday when it, when it snows teach them that every person is jesus christ there's jesus is in every person and that we treat each person that way and this is what the character in my book seraphina is her name does she's a typical kid she's you know crowded in her house at at christmas time because this is the inn after all and she's up in the loft that's cold than the colder than the main part of the house and her little sister is putting her cold feet on seraphina's leg and she's kind of annoyed with her little sister well who hasn't been annoyed with your sibling i mean i have seven of them i know what that's like <laughs> this day you know so um so but she, so she gets up and you're right she remembers that there's somebody that's less well off than she is and if she's cold in her house this family must be freezing and so she thinks well, what can I do to help? And just by bringing the fire for to them for warmth, when she walks into that stable, that cave stable, the Blessed Mother looks at her, doesn't say a word, but opens her arms to this girl in invitation to come closer to the Lord, which is what Mary does for each one of us. And when this girl does what Mary invites her to do, she encounters the Lord and she has a complete change of mood and change of life and goes back to her cold and cramped loft where she's sleeping and embraces her sister and shares the warmth that she's just received from the Lord with her little sister. It, that's, that's our calling in a microcosm. You know, it's funny. Some people, excuse me. It's funny. Some people might think, Oh, that's just a warm, fuzzy story. No, no, that's actually, that's actually how we're supposed to live our lives. You know, we, we, we start out, we're a little bit selfish, right? You learn a lesson and then you start to be, you start to be less selfish. 
then they eventually get to the point where you're selfless. All right. No, no, that's the point of life. Jesus said, love the father, love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes I think in my mind, what's the problem? You know, because yeah. nowadays, Claudia, it's all about uh, it's okay to love your neighbor. Okay, like, and, and whatever, however, our, our culture, uh, whatever our culture means by that. But don't mention, don't mention God. Right. You know, it's like always leaving God out of the equation. These are the things that we have to teach our kids to combat this culture. Uh, just a couple of thoughts on that, Claudia, before we go to a break. Well, you're right. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to be nice and pleasant to our neighbor. It's another thing to um, ask them to be accountable to the truth, not just my truth, their truth, there is the truth. And that is that that God the Father sent his son, our Lord Jesus Christ to to die for our sins, to do what we couldn't do for ourselves and to save us. And yet yeah, to to be able to help kids learn that there's something bigger than themselves is what life is about. It's that's that's our mission here on earth is to become saints and to live eternally with our Lord in heaven. Yeah, let's let's start teaching our kids. There's 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 something that transcends the Xbox. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I think that's uh that's a good place to start in America. You know, in, in America. Uh, so you're with uh, the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, we are being uh, we're being joined by Claudia McAdam. We're talking about her new book, The Christmas Light, and that is available. One more time, Claudia, before we go to break, where can uh, folks buy it? SophiaInstitute.com is the publisher or any online book retailer or at your local brick and mortar store that can order it for you. And also visit uh, Claudia's website at www.ClaudiaMcAdam.com. And then you can have access to, to all of the things that, uh, that Claudia produces. So we're on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And follow Joe and I at The Frontline TV. Frontline TV on YouTube. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Stick around. We got another half hour with Claudia McAdam. We'll be right back. Hey, you know about our Veritas shows, right? All five? It starts every Sunday at 5 p.m. with The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talk to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Every Wednesday at noon, you can catch Let Me Be Frank. This is your chance to hear Bishop Frank Caggiano talk about spirituality, church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. That's when you can hear It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. It's a late night show on Catholic Radio, and Liv mixes faith with humor, games, and dynamic interviews. There's a double dose of shows on Friday. First, at noon, it's Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Then, at 12.30 on Fridays, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where Peter Sonsky puts the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, serving the New York metropolitan area, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith. Joe Racinello, I'm going to hand it over to you. Claudia, on the other side of the break, you talked about the character in your book, uh, Serafina, um, and she goes out 
you know, she may not, you know, into the cold to bring some warmth, some fire to the Holy Family. You said something I want to touch on a little bit. You have seven siblings. Um, I'm sure you learned, you know, in that household, you know, eight of you, certain things. Certain things have to be lived to learn. Empathy is being one. You know, you don't read about empathy. You learn. If I'm hungry... And I see someone down the road who's hungry. I'm going to help them because I know what it means to be hungry. You see, our society is too comfortable. Everyone wants too much comfort. A little bit of discomfort sometimes teaches you something. And our faith leads us down that road. Listen, I got five kids, all under seven. My house is nuts. There's things in my house, to be honest with you, that will translate to them down the road because they learn how to share. There, there's no, everyone doesn't have their own room. I'm sure that was the case with your family. Now, here you are, you know, you and your husband are successful people. Look at what you're doing. Those lessons were learned in your house. Talk about that, please. You know, wow, that it's amazing that you would bring that up because uh, just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated my mother's 90th birthday and she's in great health. And my siblings and I and our spouses gathered together for a surprise party at her home for her. And one of the things, my gift to her was I wrote out 90 reasons why I love you. And it reflected on my upbringing and how her parented parenting us and my dad too, but this was her birthday. The way she parented us made a difference in how each one of us turned out. And the example of your parents is, is so critical. When we talk about our Catholic faith, as you well know, the fact that the father practices the faith is one of the biggest determining factors as to whether the kids will continue to be Catholic. So dads are so, so important. But my, my mom, <clears throat> excuse me, would tell us things that that really just got under our skin <clears throat> excuse me for example she would say you'd see some some person walking down the street and you might think oh she looks you know unhappy or whatever and my mom would say you know what that woman is somebody's mother or daughter or sister and we need to always treat them that way with kindness and i remember when i was a, a little girl we had nothing and we lived in the middle of a block in suburbia and a man came to our door who was hungry, a homeless man. Why did he pick our house? Who knows? But my mother, you know, she didn't feel comfortable inviting him in because she was home with all of us little ones. And my dad was at work. But she said to him, if you'll have a seat on the porch, I will bring you a plate of food and you're welcome to have the meal that we're eating. And she, she brought him a meal. And just seeing that example has stayed with me forever. And it taught me that Yes, we can be entertaining angels unawares, as I think she was, and that we had we had nothing. We you know we didn't have food to spare by the gods, and but she she gave what we had and fed this man and fed him one time. And I'll tell you what, I can count instance after instance where my siblings have done the same thing in, in their adult lives. So it really makes a difference what you do as a parent to model that behavior for your children. I think it's so important that you mentioned too about fathers, and I'll say from a per, from a personal point of view, my, my father didn't frequent mass too much. Okay, he you know he sent me and my brother, and my sister to Catholic school. He understood the importance of that, but my mom was the one. I mean, I remember being happy when my father did come to mass on Christmas and Easter. But to your point, Claudia McAdam joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe, um, I I strayed away from the faith. 
I straight and I know in my heart of hearts, I never would have if my father went to mass every Sunday. And I say that to say that we, you know, as as parents, but particularly as fathers in America, in America, Catholic fathers, your kids got to see you praying. Your kids got to see you in adoration. Your kids got to see you going to mass. Okay. And as you guys have brought up in the first segment and now your kids have to see you serving. You know, um, I'm sure, I mean, you have a lot of uh, orders out there in Denver, correct, uh, Claudia? I know, I know you got the Sisters of Life out we there. We do, yes. Yes, my, my, my wife is very close to Joe's wife uh, and Joe's family, and my, we we're very close to the Sisters of Life. We love them, right? But, you know, getting together with them, sacrificing, serving, you know what I mean? Same, same with when, they, um, when the CFRs, when they run the soup kitchen. These are things we should do. But as you're saying, and to your point, bring your kids. They get it. Trust me, they get it. When a son sees his father serving a poor person, all right, in a room full of, you know, religious sisters, okay, that's going to stay with them. Yes. That's the type of stuff we need in this culture. That's the stuff that forms particularly young men into, into good Catholic men. Your thoughts on that, particularly the service part, Claudia. I think you're exactly right. I mean, you, you know, you think, oh, I've got little kids. I can't do, you know, a lot of things. Well, you can do a little something, you know, what, what did St. Therese of Lisieux say, you know, do, do little things with great love. Um, just recently, we, we took seven of our grandchildren to the dollar store to pick out a number of gifts that they could fill the, the shoe boxes for the children that they were going to, to donate. And just to being, being able to share that experience with them and telling them, okay, what would, what would you like? You know, my little four-year-old granddaughter, what kind of things do you like? I like this hair bow. I like this, you know, okay, let's get those for the girl for whom you're buying this box. Won't she be happy? And, and the kids learn, okay, this is something I like and I'm giving it away to someone else. So you can just do little things like that to begin with. And then, you know, as, as your children get older and go off to college, look for a college that has focus, the fellowship of Catholic university students, but mm -hmm. a little plug in there for them. My son is the director of formation for focus. So he helps train all the missionaries that serve on those Catholic campuses across the country and overseas as well. You know, you've got to be proactive in looking for ways to keep your children. I don't care whether they're toddlers or they're college students ways to keep them engaged with the faith or at least opportunities for them to do that. Otherwise we're not doing our jobs as parents. Absolutely. You, know, you, talk, you talked about your family and your mom. It rang true to me. You know, you said, and I'm sure you're from Pittsburgh, you're Italian, you had eight kids. I mean, like, we, you know, we weren't eating filet mignon as you know, you probably had uh pasta and peas like more times than you want to admit. Hey, don't knock the pasta vase. Hey, hey, that was every Friday at my house. But, but in terms okay. of like, that's part of the deal. And the thing that rang true, it reminded me of the story in the gospel of the widow's might. She gave what she had. That's what you see. There has to be a hurt to love. You see, this is what I think translates. It's not just giving. Like, I think about this sometimes too. Mother Teresa said this love has to hurt to be real. And that's what I think your, you and your siblings saw. There has to be, it just can't be like, because I've thought about this as a married man, as and, and as when I was single. When I was single, I did things, but I did them at my convenience. Now it's not at my convenience; it's my inconvenience. Exactly. And, and but but it that's what translates. And and as Catholics, it, we have to give until it hurts. And the only way we do that 
is to be honest with you, and this is where I want to go with it in your book, The Christmas Light, Serafina encounters Christ and she's changed. You see, when we encounter the Lord, we're different. We're not the same. Talk about that. How do we promote that encounter? We talked about adoration. We talked about example. What else can we do for our Catholics out there to encounter the Lord personally and then change? First of all, by seeing the Lord in other people, you know, you see someone that that is not appealing to you or that you don't, you know, that's mean to you, but you have to see the Lord in that person and to try to treat them with generosity and with love. And that's not always easy. And it's like you say, it's not always comfortable. But when we when we do that, any encounter with the Lord, you're right, does not leave us changed. I mean, we cannot go backwards after after doing something like that. You know, our, our spiritual life is a journey and we're taking step after step after step. It's not like we do one thing and boom, we're in heaven. It's it's a lifelong process. And so to encounter the Lord in other people means, first of all, to be aware of them, to be open to them, to understand other people's needs. And you don't have to do the, the great big giant thing. You can do the small thing, calling your elderly neighbor to see you know, how she's doing or to wish her a happy Thanksgiving or inviting her in to share your meal. You don't have to do the huge, big thing, but every little thing, it just piles up together. And, and each, each little thing you do moves you one step farther along the line to to where we want to end up being you know with our lord permanently in heaven so um yeah just one step at a time looking out for those around us who who need our time it's not not just our money or what we can buy or give but our time our listening ear our support just being present to those who need you know listening i'm sorry go joe please yeah i was just going to let everybody know if you're just joining us uh, you're listening to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo, Joe Resinello. We're having a fantastic conversation with Claudia McAdam about her new book and, and, and a bunch of other things, too. Uh, but her new book is The Christmas Light, The Christmas Light, which you could buy. Uh, that's uh, Sophia Institute Press, correct, Claudia? Yes, yes. Um, and in brick-and-mortar stores. And please visit Claudia's website uh, for access to all of her material at ClaudiaMcAdam.com. Joe Resinello, go. You know, Mother Teresa, I, I was very involved. I still am to a degree. It's harder now with my family, uh, with their order. And I know people who knew her. And they said when she talked to you, you were the only person in the world. And she was a very famous person. I mean, no matter who she talked to, she focused in on you because she saw Christ in you. A way to do that, because I think about this, where I do that and where I fall, I always think back to scripture that says, blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see the face of God. That begins with confession. It begins with a good confession, opening your heart completely and allowing God to see into you and to heal you. Talk about that, because I think that's the start of seeing Christ in others. First, we have to be healed. And frankly, I think our own sins blind us. Once we're healed, and confession is a healing mechanism, it's a sacrament, it gives us grace, we then see God in others, and we go out of our way for others. That's what Catholics do. We go out of our way. For others, why? Because Jesus did that to us. Talk about the need for confession. I, I agree. You know, confession is not easy for everybody to do. I understand that. But boy, when you when I go to confession and 
I leave that confessional, I feel completely different, lighter, uh, healed, like you say, whole, clean. And it, it lets me really get rid of the me, all the me stuff, you know, what I'm involved with and what worries me and blah, 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 and, and think outside myself. And, and confession is, is a releasing sacrament. It just brings us closer to the Lord by letting us have our sins absolved. And it's a, it's a new start. Every time you walk out of that confessional, it's like, okay, now I, I've got a whole new chance to do it correctly. And you're right. You can see the Lord in other people much easier when you're not looking in on yourself all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. I had a particular grace, um, in the, over the last few weeks, my best friend, um, who I had tried to plant the seed with a little bit, he's straight away from the faith, you know, like kind of here, here, not in a judgy way. I'm just saying it's just a fact. Um, I, uh, you know, he asked me about confession and it was a particular grace, uh, you know, for, for me to have brought him to a good priest because he had to give one of those kind of like adult confessions, you right, know, like right. you ha you've been away for a while. You're not just going down at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Okay. Um, and uh, so it's a particular grace. But as you said, he, he, he had tears in his eyes, Claudia, um, after he got done talking to the priest and, and had confession. And, and he gave me a big hug and he thanked me because he, he was experiencing what you just described. Yeah. The, 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 the unburdening, okay, because sin weighs us down. We hang our head. It crushes us. To be liberated from that, the idea of confession is that Jesus actually wants you to give him your sins. We have to emphasize. We have to shout that from the rooftops. At the front line with Joe and Joe, Claudia, it's the one-two punch. It, we describe it like that. It's confession and Eucharist. Confession and Eucharist. Boom, boom. You want to punch the devil in the face, you're going to lose. If you want to hurt him, <coughs> excuse me, if you really want to hurt him, go to confession. That's my larger point. You're at the I, front line with Joe and Joe. Go ahead, Claudia. I love it. And, and Joe, good for you for bringing your friend to a priest who could hear his confession. It reminds me of one of my favorite gospel stories is of the, par uh, the paralytic that's brought to Jesus by his four friends who take him up on the roof and open the roof up and lower him down. They, I mean, they were the instruments for getting him to the Lord where his sins were forgiven. And oh, by the way, yeah, he was also physically healed, less important, but nice to know too. So as a friend, wow, what we can do to bring other people to God. I mean, and, and it, it's not up to uh, each of us to, to bring someone, you know, to full conversion. If we, if we do, that's wonderful. It's up mm. to us to move them along one step closer. You know, I move this person along a step closer and then one of you comes in and, and you move them along, you know, along, along, along the ways until they, they reach, you know, a full communion with the Lord. So good for you for doing what you did. And, and that's a great example of how everybody can just do one little simple thing to yeah. move someone else along the road. Yeah. I, I, and, and that's one, you know, and we need to, we, we need to like, as you guys are talking about at the front line with Joe and Joe, in other words, the idea of living it. And again, sometimes in our minds, we want to privatize our faith. Okay. I know I'm, I'm totally guilty of that in my life. Okay. All right. Let me not open my mouth. All right. Let me shut up. No, actually that's not what we're called to do. We're called to actually open our big mouths. Okay. We don't beat anybody over the head with it when, but we stand up, 
we give a defense for the faith and we try to encourage others to to experience what you're talking about that 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 encounter that that yes that it's a, it's a, it's an overused phrase sometimes but it is important that personal relationship with Christ he died for you as though you were the only person in the world he actually died for you uh, we want to get to a couple more questions Claudia so I'm going to hand it over to Joe you know in the in your book the Christmas light um you're reintroducing in a very personal way uh, the nativity story. And I think it's so important. And that's why we, we, we want you on this show. We love you. And we want people to buy this book because the world needs the nativity story. Our culture has basically turned its back on its Judeo-Christian roots. We're no longer allowed to have the crash in the town square anymore. People need to hear this story. It's the reason for the season. The nativity, a husband, a man, and a woman, and their child struggling in a cold world, bringing light to the world. And this is why this book is so important. And sadly, we've embraced commercialism. We've embraced the material. We as Catholics, the laity, have to bring this back. How do we, outside of people reading your book, Claudia, you know, we could put the nativity on our lawn. Obviously, we could do certain little things. What are some little things that we can do to bring the reason for the season back into our culture? You know, those are really good points. And, and today, when we're done with this discussion, I am going out and I'm putting my light up nativity scene on my front yard because Advent starts <laughs> this weekend. So there, there's those kinds of things. I mean, for example, try to find this year at the post office a Madonna and child postage stamp. Nope. I bet that's not going to happen. I'm just throwing that out there. It's not going to happen. There, there, I have not found one. I don't think there is one this year. So, okay, let's get in touch with the U.S. Postal Service and say, you know what? We want that stamp. Bring, bring that back. That's the kind of stamp I put on my Christmas cards every year. Yeah, I love, I love our country, but I don't want to use the flag stamp at Christmas time. Um, in the store, when somebody rings up my purchase and says, Merry Christmas, I'll say to them, have a blessed Advent because we're not in Christmas yet. So, you know, people just like, oh, what the, you know, or they say happy holidays. And my husband always says to them, what holiday is it? And he makes them say, well, it's Christmas. Oh, yes, okay. Oh, I see you and your you and your husband are troublemakers. I love, I love it. it. I you love know, it. Didn't you say open our big mouths, but kindly, yes. But <laughs> So. No, no, and, and, and it's true because, you know, as people look at you like you have three heads, but the thing is, but we keep on, I'm, and again, I speak, from, from from whence I came, okay? I, I'm, I'm guilty of this, okay? Where I don't or have not in the past opened my mouth. But I want to say, like, you could say happy holidays and everybody looks like you, looks at you like you're such an open and tolerant person. But as soon as you try saying Merry Christmas in New York City, okay? Right. Just walking down the street, let's say in Midtown, okay? And people look at you like you're insane. No, I know. And I'm not exaggerating. No, but if you say happy holidays, okay? Oh, he's such a wonderful person. You talk about little things. How about we start saying Merry Christmas again? Exactly right. You know, I, Archbishop Chaput, when he was Archbishop here in Denver, I was at one, a talk that he gave. And what, one thing he said just stuck in my brain forever. And he said, we are not called to tolerate. We are called to love. You know, you don't want to come home after a day of work and have your spouse say to you, oh, honey, welcome home. I tolerate you. You know, you want love. That, that's what we're called to. And we tolerate so much in this society that, 
that I, you know, it's not easy all the time to get down to the nitty gritty. And it's so much easier to say, oh, happy holidays, but to say, oh, I hope you have a blessed advent or Merry Christmas when it is the Christmas season. And, you know, just let people think about what does that mean? Why is she saying that? How dare she? Yeah, how dare me? You know, exactly. the story of the nativity, getting back to the importance of reintroducing that, and your book does that very well, The Christmas Light, and please all our listeners go out and buy it. It demonstrates many things. One thing I want to bring out, it demonstrates how the rich and the poor were equally called by Christ. Who was rich? The kings. They came. Who was poor? the shepherds, they came together to worship the Lord. Each had a role to play, and that role still exists today. And we must work together, the rich and the poor. And basically, sadly, our society, the secular society, the poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer. It's it's clear. I mean, if you do anything outside of like watching TV, you just look in your neighborhood, you're seeing that. The answer is Jesus. When we embrace the sacramental life, we will see the poor who are invisible. We talked about going to soup kitchens. We talked about opening our eyes. Catholics, we have to reach a hand to the poor. Talk about that. It's Christmas. It is. And, and you know, we can talk about doing it in the big way, like you say, the, the soup kitchens or, you know, the food banks or things like that and those things are important but you can also just begin on on a very small level one-on-one -on -one level um you know is there somebody at your parish who you see is alone you know all the time maybe invite them to join you with for a meal or take them out for coffee or just sit and talk with them make a connection we have to go outside of ourselves and we get so wrapped up in our little world and whether we're rich or poor or in between, just doing what we're doing ourselves and to, to stop and to learn about other people's lives. I mean, my husband and I had, we're, we're getting new windows in our home. Oh, that's a pain in the neck. And we had the, the guy come out to measure the, the windows and we were talking about birthdays. And he said, oh, this is, today is my, would be my son's 29th birthday. And I thought, uh, he said, would be. And I'm like, he, he is 29? He said, well, we lost him at age 17. And so instead of saying, oh, okay, sorry. I said, I'm really sorry about that. I will be offering my Holy Communion this weekend for the repose of the soul of your son and be praying for you and your wife. And, and this man <clears throat> who I think may have been a fallen away Catholic, but he looked at us like, wow, somebody is going to do something for me. Somebody they just met like that. Yeah. You don't have to go out and spend money or time or whatever, just your, your state of mind and your intentions can really boost people beyond what you would ever know. You know, you, you see why that's in real quick, Joe, real quick, Joe, why that's so important. It, it, this is, it seems to be the theme of, of, of our conversation today is, is the idea of selflessness. Th that man, the last thing he expected was for you to say that, but that's precisely what we're supposed to do. See that guy expected you to just say, Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know what I mean? And get back to worrying about what you're going to shop for that day or whatever the case might be. Right. Okay. Right. But rather than that, see, that's, that's part of that, that, that encounter with Christ is that we should be doing that without even thinking about it. That's what makes us different. That's why we're different as Catholics is because we actually do. It's, it struck me. It's so important, Claudia McAdam, for you to say that that guy felt like somebody cared about him. And, and you would think, well, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? No. 
That's not the way it is. That's part of being the salt and light that we're supposed to be out, out to the wider culture and in our country. Okay. Um, because that's like kind of, that, that's foreign to a lot of people. But I just wanted to comment on that. Uh, Joe Rossidello, we have about three minutes left or three or four minutes left. I, I want to just say, you talked about like someone in your parish who's poor, you invite them over. That's taking a chance. That's going outside yourself, which your mom did. Someone who came to the door, she took a chance. We have to do that. You right. see, we're too comfortable. We always say on the show, get out of the boat. And I'll just tell you a personal story. There was a homeless person in my parish. I would go on the train, all professional people waiting for the train. He used to be at the train station because he lived there. He was a part of my parish. We would have coffee together every morning. Everyone would look at me, everyone. And I knew it, but I didn't care. You see, we have to get outside of ourselves. That's Jesus. He's part of the parish. You have to not be comfortable. This is how we bring Christ to the world. It's Christmas. Joe, let me just let me just ask along those lines of what you're saying. And Claudia, I'm going to hand it over to you. You have um, at ClaudiaMcAdam.com a discussion, activity guides. All right, kind of like I'm assuming that's kind of like practical things that you're you're telling our fellow Catholics that they could be doing with the, with a couple of minutes or so, two or three minutes we have left. Okay, talk to our audience about your your discussion and activity guides. I, I will. And first of all, Joe, I want to say to you. People looking at you when you're taking your your parishioner friend to coffee, you may think they're judging you, and they may be, but they're also learning from you. And what a wonderful experience. Um, what a great way to live out your faith. Thank you for doing that. The, the discussion guide that I have written for this book has all sorts of fun things to do, a coloring page, a maze, a word search, things like that. But more than that, there's discussion questions about the story itself. And on the last page of the guide, I get into the virtues and how parents can ask their children some of these questions. For example, they ask their child, when have you been upset or angry with someone at home? Because the character in this story that she's upset at the beginning of it. And then in what ways have you used charity or love to improve a bad situation? So it gets them thinking about how they can incorporate the virtues in their life without without knowing what the virtues are or understanding or being able to name them, but knowing what the concept is. So there, there's discussion questions in here that give parents or educators a way to interface with kids to help them internalize the story. And one fun thing that I did in this book was I wrote it in the style of a chiasm. So a chiastic structure where everything in the first part of the story hinges on the main point, which is the girl meeting Jesus, and then all those items in the first part of the story are reversed and improved in the second part of the story. So there's a little chart in the discussion guide where kids can, can learn about that and fill that in and, and learn about how their lives can be changed, just like this girl's life was changed when you encounter Jesus Christ. Claudia, um, about 30 seconds, some final thoughts for our audience. The book is The Christmas Light. Uh, Claudia McAdam is the author, and we want to thank her for joining us. But a couple final thoughts maybe you'd like to leave with our audience, Claudia. I, I love to do school visits, whether in person or online, and I do them frequently. All my books are on PowerPoint presentations, so I can show the illustrations to a whole group at a time. And if anybody would like to arrange for that, they can do so through my website, ClaudiaMcAdam.com. And it would be great fun for me to interface with a homeschooling group or a book club or a Catholic school 
whoever would like me to come and, and present, whether in person or online, and at no charge. Well, God bless you, Claudia McAdam, and God bless the work that you're doing. And we're going to emphasize one more time uh, for those out there uh, listening to us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, go buy the book, The Christmas Light, which is available at Sophia Institute Press. We encourage people to go to Sophia Institute Press, number one, because they have fantastic authors and fantastic material that we need as Catholics. And stop supporting big box, the rest of them out there. Go to Sophia Institute, go to the website, buy the book on the website, okay? Um, so, Claudia McAdam, we want to thank you for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And we want to thank all of you out there for listening to us on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And uh, as we always ask, follow Joe and I at the Frontline TV. The Frontline TV on YouTube. When you see our ugly mugs there, like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation. And that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.